Today on Ag News Daily. The goal in the in the long term for farm robotics is being able to not only treat every animal 100% correctly 100% of the time, but then breaking it down on an individual basis like you're kind of saying. Good afternoon and happy Friday, ladies and gentlemen. It's Ashton Carr joined by Delaney Howell. And I have got to say, I'm really excited for the weekend. I feel like I just am drained this week. I am pretty low energy today, Delaney. So you might have to carry things today. Uh Well, I thought I was going to have a bad day, Ashton. I woke up this morning super sore and tired, dragging, just like you're feeling right now. Get in my car, head to the gym. I'm a speeder. I have a lead foot. Yes, I know I should abide by the law and follow the speed limit, but I don't. I just never have been that way. And today of all days, I got caught and pulled over by a state patrol folk, not just a local county person. State Patrol, thankfully, they just gave me a written warning. I got off really easy, but I thought that was going to ruin my day, Ashton. But I'm feeling a little better now. I'm not going to lie. Well, I did have some exciting news that I'm glad to share with you, Delaney. It didn't really pick my mood up too much, though. I'm just really dragging today. But I was asked to be a part of a panel talking about internships. So I am really excited to be a part of that later this month. Oh, fantastic. You're going to talk all about how wonderful it was to intern for us, right, Ashton? (laughs) I certainly am. I don't know all of the details just yet, but it's for Agriculture Future of America. And so I'm really excited to talk to some other students about internships. And uh, I mean, I had a, a pretty hard time when I was actually looking for an internship for school. So you're like my saving grace, but I'm excited to share my experiences. That'll be awesome, Ashton. You'll have to let us know how that goes. And I'm glad you brought up internships. We're talking not internships, but young people in agriculture. Later on in the podcast today, of course, we're kicking off or continuing on, I should say, our 30 under 30 ag grad interview series. But before we get to that, Ashton, we've got to talk about some news. And yes, I know people are probably getting tired of talking about weather, but... I just literally right before we cut this podcast today, Ashton, got off a call with Eric Snodgrass, who is a science, excuse me, is a fellow science fellow for Nutrien. He's also a principal atmospheric scientist. It's been a little while since we've had him on the podcast, Ashton, so we definitely need to have him back on again sometime soon. But we talked a lot about South American weather. The gist of it is we're at a point where it's probably a point of no return for South America, meaning this time of year, they're trying to get their crop out of the ground, but we're, they're also kind of on the heels of trying to get a new crop in the ground. So Eric shared with me that he thinks we're at a point in time where we're definitely going to see production reductions. And uh, that's been echoed on the news wires today, Ashton, um, Let me see here if I can pronounce this name. Portuguese is not my strength, Uh, but Silvacio de Oliveira is a grower down in Brazil. He lives in the Tapura era, which is in the heart of Brazil's soybean belt in the top producing state of Mato Grosso. And he said that so far he's harvested 85% of his 3,300 acres and said for the past week, he has been unable to enter his soaked fields to finish the job. And he said that 
Heavy rains are continuing, and since he couldn't harvest, beans have actually started rotting in some of his fields. So it sounds like this is going to be a trend that continues for folks, especially as we look at the next 10 to 14 days here, and it is pointing to a lot of rain for parts of Brazil. Well, Delaney, kicking things back over to the U.S., as we know, when the Biden administration took office, there was a freeze placed on quite a few issues and policies that were taking place under the Trump administration. And of course, one of those was CFAP payments. And people have kind of had a lot of questions on, you know, when we will see those payments roll out and what the latest is as the USDA was setting to determine you know, what the need is in the industry, how many people and how many groups and organizations within the supply chain need help, who has received some assistance, who hasn't had enough assistance, and a laundry list of things that the USDA was trying to determine during this freeze. But it's looking like those payments rule will remain on hold for at least several more weeks, according to Secretary Vilsack. He announced this, of course, during Commodity Classic earlier today. It's their last day of the event. And the USDA is also watching closely as the Senate debates on the latest COVID relief package and how that might play into resources available to the USDA to combat combat coronavirus impact. So folks, if you were really waiting for some CFAP money, it doesn't look like you're going to get it really anytime soon. No, you may not get CFAP money, but the USDA also announced just today, I get their press releases, they are extending application deadlines for the Quality Loss Adjustment Program, otherwise known as QLA. They said because of recent winter storms and some clarifications to program rules, they are extending the deadlines from March 5th, which would be today, to April 9th for agricultural producers to apply for this program because of 2018, 2019, and 2020 disasters. So there may not be extension in CFAP, but there are some other USDA loans and government payments out there that could help folks uh, take advantage or if you had you know, poor yields or weather impact, I should say, in those years. There are some programs out there right now going on, including the QLA program, Ashton. Well, Delaney, I have another piece of USDA news coming from Bill Northey, who was the Trump administration's undersecretary for farm production and conservation at the USDA. Northey is suggesting that carbon markets won't be big moneymakers for farmers right away. He told Brownfield Ag News that reducing tillage and implementing cover crops will make soil more productive over time. And he says that the additionality of carbon markets is a concern for him. Northey was quoted as saying, meaning if I'm no-tilling today and that's considered baseline, somebody else isn't no-tilling and gets paid for converting to no-till. The fact that I was no-tilling for years and helped develop technologies to make it possible for them to do it and I don't have payments. Northey expects USDA to play a critical role in the rollout of carbon markets. He cautions farmers, though, not to assume that payments typically seen from ARC or PLC will quickly move to carbon credits and says that the majority of income will remain market-driven for a long time to come. Ashton, that's uh, definitely a good concern, and I'm glad you brought up Bill Northey. You know what? I haven't kept 
close enough tabs on him to know what he's been doing now that he is out of the USDA. So we might have to circle back around with him, Ash, and have him on the podcast again sometime soon. Sounds like a good idea. I do know that he has moved back to Iowa now, so you're uh, pretty close right there to him. Yeah, I'm probably a little easier to get a hold of him now. Maybe he'll answer my Twitter messages again. Actually, he... <laughs> I know he used to listen to the podcast when he was Iowa's Secretary of Agriculture. Um, one time, I don't know how I even figured this out. He had his podcast app open or something. I was at an event in the Capitol here in Iowa, and he had his podcast app open, and I saw on his phone that he was listening to Agnews Daily. So I was like, yes, all right. I love that. So I don't know if he's listening right now, but uh, Secretary Norley, if you are, shoot me a Twitter message. We're going to have you on the podcast again sometime. But Ashton, talking about the administration, the Biden administration has made its first move on the trade front. On Thursday, the administration announced that it will be suspending some of the tariffs on the United Kingdom as the U.S. continues to seek allies to counter growing threats from folks like China. They said this is a part of are part of a strategy they're putting together to approach China and potentially, uh, you know, resolve some of the ongoing issues there. But so far, they're not listing, lifting all of the tariffs completely, but a good portion of them will be lifted. Uh, I believe I don't have a date in front of me, so I can't tell you exactly what the timeline is for that. Oh, actually, wait, I lied. I do see the date. They officially suspended them yesterday, so those do come off immediately now. Well, Delaney, I just have one other piece of news today, and it's talking about two biofuels bills that were introduced in Congress earlier this week. Jeff Cooper, who's the president of the Renewable Fuels Association, says that these two bills would help the renewable fuels industry immediately. One of the bills would authorize $500 million over five years for grants for fuel retailers and marketers to put in the infrastructure capable of dispensing higher level blends. Cooper tells Brownfield Ag News that the Renewable Fuels Infrastructure Investment and Market Expansion Act expands upon past successful USDA infrastructure programs. And he says that the other bill would force the EPA to adopt the Department of Energy's more modern and accurate GREET, otherwise known as Greenhouse Gases Regulated Emissions and Energy Use and Transportation Model for Evaluating Ethanol and Biodiesel Carbon Emissions. Cooper says that the Adopted Green Act can also help prove corn-based ethanol deserves the same carbon credit levels as sugarcane ethanol in California. Cooper says that both of these bills were introduced before the pandemic, but he believes that lawmakers are now more interested in them after recent small refinery waiver issues and the Biden administration's push for low carbon fuels. All right, Ashton. Well, let's see. I don't think I have any other news for today other than chatting the markets. What do you say we kick things off with that? Let's do it. All right. Well, we certainly had a turnaround Friday. That's not really a thing. I just made it one. But we did see some strength today in the markets. Overnights, I thought maybe we weren't going to see any strength today. They sagged quite a bit, but we opened the trade higher to end substantially higher today. The March corn contract closed up 18 cents today to close at 564 and a quarter. The May up 14 cents to close at 546 and a half. 
March soybeans today, 21 and a half cents higher to close at 14.36 and three quarters. The May up 22 and a quarter to close at 14.32 and three quarters. Wheat, Chicago wheat higher today as well as the March contract added four and a quarter cent to close at 6.54. The May up three and a quarter to close at five, excuse me, 6.54 and a quarter. Hopping over to take a look at the livestock markets today. They were mostly higher today as the April live cattle contract added 47.5 cents to close at 1.1502.5. The June up $1.02 to close at 1.18 even. Feeder cattle today, the March contract shed 50 cents to close at 134.60. The April up a, up a nickel to close at 139.02. Lean hogs a little bit of mixed trade today as the April contract shed just 12 and a half cents to close at 87.17 and a half. The May up seven cents to close at 89.47 and a half. And rounding out our markets with the class three dairy milk futures. March today up eight cents to close at 16.30. The April down five cents to close at 17.64. Without further ado, Ashton, let's get over to our continued AgRad 30 under 30 series. Well, today we are talking to our second ag grad, 30 under 30 member of the current cohort, Alika Chuck, who is the co-founder and CFO of Farm Robotics. Alika, thank you so much for coming on the podcast to talk to us today. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. So we're super excited. You're, you know, the one of the first two ag grads that we're talking to. And I am super excited to just hear your story and how you got to where you are. So Alika, why don't you share with us a little bit more about your background? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm originally from Norco, California, which is a small city in Southern California. And so basically grew up there. Um, I was there for the first 20 years of my life. I don't have an ag background, though Norco is really close to the Chino dairies. I never actually worked on a farm or milked a cow during my childhood. And so really around high school time, um, I met who is now my best friend um, through uh, just having a history class together. And I came to find out that his parents actually owned a dairy farm. And so I think at the time I was really interested. I wanted some uh, just good uh, work experience that I could translate over into college. Um, But really, I I didn't have any clue um, as to what I was getting into. Um, So essentially what I did for the next four years after high school, I was managing a large compost operation um, where I was managing it for my best friend's dad. And I had another boss and his name's Marina Dijkstra who's now my co-founder in Farm Robotics. And so I think at the time I was studying finance and accounting at Chapman University. Uh, I was really, you know, motivated, hungry, and just wanted to be a part of something greater than myself at the time. And so Marinas came up with the idea of automating the shop delivery process for dairy cows. He's been in the industry for over, over 20 years now and has experienced a lot of headaches in terms of, you know, trying to find the right employees to deliver shot protocols correctly to cows. That way, you know, we can deliver vaccines, for instance, on time correctly to these animals. And so after, you know, a couple of decades of seeing these issues um, happen, my co-founder really saw an opportunity with automating the shot delivery process with robotics. And so I was working for him at the time. And I think with my co-founder being from the Netherlands, he came to the U.S. when he was 18 and 
worked on a dairy ever since. Um, I think he needed someone to really help take this idea to the next level. So he asked me to join him and I really came on for the business development and intellectual property side of things. So yeah, three and a half years ago in July of 2017, that's really when the Farm Robotics Project started. Um, so we worked together on developing the business plan as well as um, the patent, which we recently uh, got issued on December 29th, 2020. So it, it's been crazy uh, the past three and a half years, to be honest with you, because I've really fell in love with agriculture, with the community, with with just how uh, dairy operations work. So with what we're doing, I mean, we're really going to revolutionize the dairy industry. I mean, imagine a world where people will no longer be administering injectables by hand and high compliance and accuracy could really be achieved through automation. So in reality, SureShot, our robotic injection system, automates this whole process for dairy cows and will eventually lead to the first predictive modeling platform related to animal health standards. So this has been quite the journey so far. And for someone that doesn't have an ag background, I am extremely excited for the future and especially to be involved in the ag community to improve it for the better. I think that your experience is rather unique. I always like talking to people who are currently involved in the ag industry, but didn't really have an ag background because I think that, you know, people like you have a different perspective of the ag industry than someone like myself who has been involved with it, you know, since I came out of the womb, basically. But Aliko, what was the key factor or the most important aspect of the ag industry or more specifically the dairy industry, if you want to, you know, answer that part? Um, that really drew you in? Yeah, I think at the end of the day, what really drew me in was not only one solving a huge problem and increasing potentially animal health standards globally, as well as animal welfare, but on the flip side of things too, you know, we're creating a sustainable economic future for the dairy farmer. And so I think what is also special about our technology is we're not constrained just to dairy um, so there are opportunities for us in the future to also apply our technology to beef cattle, to swine, to goats or sheep. Uh, essentially, any animal that would require an injectable um, could potentially utilize our technology down the road. So that's really what drew me in. So with that being said, the advancements for, you know, farm robotics for, for SureShot, do you think that you're going to have to alter the robot itself to kind of be different sizes for those different sizes of livestock. I think that's the first thing that I really think about when I think of, you know, the future of SureShot. Yeah. So I think uh, the goal in the, in the long term for farm robotics is being able to not only treat every animal hundred percent correctly, hundred percent of the time, but then breaking it down on an individual basis, like you're kind of saying, and for instance, um, another example of that could be, you know, she gets a shot on this day and she got pregnant at this point in time. Is there a way that we could potentially, you know, study her previous health events to therefore provide a predictive uh, protocol there in the future that may perhaps provide a better health outcome than it otherwise would have? So I think right now what we're focused on in our initial prototyping 
kind of going to the point that you're talking about, we're currently building out the gate system and restraint that will relax and hold the cow in place while she gets the shot. So right now we're testing out um, different capabilities on different cow sizes, like you're saying, because our number one goal is to ensure that cow safety and cow wellness is a, is a top priority for us. Um, so yeah, we're very interested in really individualizing our system for each unique animal. Absolutely. And I think that that's a very important aspect to kind of take into consideration. But when we're talking about injectables, can, I, I mean, I guess this is kind of a, a simple question and it might not even be one that um, I really should be asking, I guess. But when we're talking about injectables, is it just any kind of medicine you you rig up, sure shot with anything that you're needing to administer and, you know, just let it do its thing? Uh, as far as that goes, uh, we'll be communicating with the dairy farmer and the vet that works with the dairy farmer. Uh, so whatever the vet prescribes the farmer um, and whatever communication goes on there is what we're going to abide by. We're not going to uh, have a mandate for farmers in terms of what uh, they have to utilize for their herd because uh, that's just not the position for us to be in. So anything that the vet prescribes to the herd um, in communication with the dairy farmer is what we'll be going with for sure shot. So once a dairy farmer gets sure shot, you guys are, you know, not just a selling point. You guys are actually still continuing to work hands-on with these farmers and these vets. Yes. In reality, um, I think one, we have a responsibility to provide really high quality technology, but two, there's a service component to this where we want to build a team that helps out these farmers um, in communication with their vets on a daily basis where they're analyzing their herd performance and where they could potentially improve and uh, things of that nature. So we, we kind of have those ideas um, right now in mind, but definitely something that we're thinking about and improving on moving forward. So Alika, you are quite young and you have found all this success. I mean, you're in the ag grad 30 under 30 list, which is very exciting in itself, but what's been the best part about this journey for you? I think the best part about this journey is, is really discovering what it's like to create something phenomenal with, with people that are just so passionate about what you're doing like you. And it's, it's, it's fun at the end of the day. We, we haven't made the prototype yet. We're not completed with it yet. And everything is so challenging, especially being pre-prototype for revenue. And I'm sure challenges are yet to come. So even now it's, it's fun for me to be quite honest. So the reason I've kept going the past three years, and I think nine months now, like it's really fun for me. It's fun working with others on things that we're all passionate about. I, you know, I, I don't get paid currently for doing this because that's what it takes to bring this technology to life and solve a problem. Um, so I just find it fun, to be honest. That That's what really enthralls me. And I enjoy the people within the agriculture industry and the problem that we're solving. You know, I'm right there with you. I think you know, agriculture is fun. I mean, we're on two different sides of it, but I just, I love what I do. And I share that same passion with you, it sounds like. And I think that that's such an important thing for, you know, those who are involved in the agriculture industry 
um, just to be passionate and enjoy what we're doing. Because at the end of the day, I think you have to have some kind of resiliency to be working in the agriculture industry. But Aliga, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast today, talking about your story. And I am just as excited as you are for the team at Farm Robotics. But thank you so much again. And congratulations on being a part of the 2021 cohort for Ag Grad 30 Under 30. Thank you so much, Ian, for the opportunity. It was awesome being on here. Again, a big thank you to Alika Chuck for coming on and talking to us about farm robotics and a little bit more about his background, how he got to where he was. I think it's quite interesting to hear about all these young folks in agriculture. And I'm just really excited to talk to some more Ag Grad 30 Under 30 cohort members. Absolutely, Ashton. We'll continue this series for the next couple of months every Friday. So folks, be sure to tune in with us. And make sure and catch up on any past episodes you might have missed by checking out our website, agnewsdaily.com, or subscribing on wherever you get your podcasts. Ashen, with that, should we let the people go? Let's let them go.